So we're continuing the series on the Gospel of Mark. We've been using this sermon series title, Mark My Words. We've been taking a closer look at some of Jesus' words in Mark's Gospel. And so this Sunday we have these words from Jesus. You will have treasure in heaven. So this past Wednesday we celebrated what the church knows as Ash Wednesday, as I shared with the children. This is the beginning of the season of Lent. Ash Wednesday is a reminder that we are human. It's a reminder of our human fragility and mortality. On Ash Wednesday, we say with the words of Genesis, from dust we were created, to dust we will return. But as we talked about in the children's sermon, ashes are also a biblical symbol of mourning and penitence. On Ash Wednesday, at the beginning of Lent, we recognize our need to repent and the great gift of God's mercy and forgiveness. The season of Lent is also a reminder that God entered the human condition with us. We talk about the season of Lent as a 40-day journey. Now, these 40 days of Lent are calculated in different ways sometimes, but for most Protestants, the 40 days of Lent are from Ash Wednesday until the Saturday before Easter, not including the six Sundays in between. So we celebrate this season of Lent as we make our way towards Holy Week. The 40 days of Lent remind us of the 40 days that Jesus was in the wilderness when Jesus was tempted and, according to some gospels, when Jesus fasted for 40 days. And so as we remember those 40 days through this season, sometimes during Lent, Christians or even non-Christians, maybe even those who are not practicing of faith, they choose to fast from something that is important to them. They choose to give something up. How many of you have chosen to give something up for Lent this, this year? Okay, we've got a few people who are choosing to do that. Now what people choose to give up for Lent varies greatly from actual edible things like chocolate or soda or candied bacon. People can give up all kinds of things for Lent. Some people choose to give up Things like screen time or scrolling from scrolling through social media. Some people may choose to spend Lent working on giving up even bigger things. Things like greed or jealousy or gossip. I know some of you, as you just shared, have chosen to give something up as part of your faith practice during this Lenten season. Through Easter, we will continue this study of Mark's gospel. We're going to continue to take a closer look at Jesus' words. And we're going to look at those words as we get closer and closer to Resurrection Sunday. But as we move through the rest of this gospel, including the passion narrative of Jesus' arrest, his crucifixion, and his resurrection... We will also see as we move through the rest of this gospel that Christ's words seem to point us to what we might call an upside-down kingdom. An upside-down kingdom. 
Jesus refuses to let ancient and modern perceptions of power rule. Instead, we will continue to see that Jesus is giving new definitions and new understandings of what influence and what real treasure look like. In fact, we see that in the scripture that immediately precedes today's passage. In the scripture before today's texts, Parents are bringing children to Jesus to be blessed by him. And we're told that the disciples are turning them away sternly. That passage, that story may be familiar to you. People are bringing their children. The disciples are trying to turn them away so Jesus can concentrate on what he's doing. Does Jesus really want to use his precious time teaching and welcoming children? But in that passage, Jesus reorders the social hierarchy and tells the disciples, let the little children come to me. I saw a couple of you mouthing those words as I said them. Let the little children come to me, for it is such as these that the kingdom of God belongs. In fact, Jesus takes it a step further in that passage. Jesus says that to experience the kingdom of God You have to receive it like a little child. It's an upside-down kingdom perspective. You have to receive the blessing without resources or influence to be able to offer anything in return. And I think we see something similar in today's text as well. A rich man approaches Jesus He wants to experience the kingdom of God. One commentator has noted that his question to Jesus sounds familiar to someone of wealth. He says to Jesus, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus points the man to the commandments, which the man says that he's kept since his youth. Now, we might question whether this is really true. Has he really kept the commandments as he states? But we can't, in this passage, really question the man's sincerity. At least Jesus doesn't seem to question the man's sincerity. Because we're told that Jesus looks on the man with love. Perhaps Jesus looks on him with love because he knows the difficulty of what comes next. Jesus is about to present to him the upside-down kingdom. He says this, Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. I read this week that one commentator says, and I had never heard this before, but he says this is the only call story in the Gospels where the person does not respond to Jesus' call. I'm going to have to go back and double check that. That will be my homework this week. But think about that. This is a call story. Jesus is calling this person. But the rich man is not able to respond. Mark tells us why. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions I like how the message translation puts it. It says this, the man's face was clouded over. 
This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. He went away grieving for he had many possessions. There's no doubt that the kingdoms of our modern world teach us about the importance of possessions. All the many things that we should or could gather unto ourselves. We are bombarded with the need and or desire to accumulate the right things, the best things, the most convenient things, the most enviable of things. But when I was studying this passage this week, I kept coming back to one word, possessions. The rich man went away grieving, for he had many possessions. A possession, by definition, is something that we have, own, or control. At its etymological root, it is something that we're the master of. But this week I've been pondering this question. How do we know when our possessions are possessing us? How do we know when our possessions are possessing us? Admittedly, I have to share that this question comes to mind because of a personal experience this week. Lindsay and I have been dealing all week with car trouble. We have a minivan, which could be described as the most convenient of possessions, especially when it comes to lugging around four children and all of their stuff. It's the most convenient of things. It has power sliding doors. It has a power tailgate that lifts and closes with the push of a button until it doesn't lift and close with the push of a button. Because when all of those conveniences go haywire, when the digital dash starts flashing in and out and sliding doors and power tailgates refuse to work, it does not take long to ask, how do we know when our possessions are possessing us? In fact, our van almost looked possessed this week with the way the digital flashes were, were happening. Like the rich man in this story, all of us are holding on tight to things. We want to keep our stuff and our grasp under our control. But this story is a reminder that sometimes the things that we hold on to are really holding on to us instead. Jesus tells the man to let go of his possessions, give to the poor, and that He'll have treasure in heaven. It reminds me of a bumper sticker my sister used to have on her car. She and I used to spend time switching back and forth between driving my grandfather's old Pontiac station wagon. And my sister got a bumper sticker for the back of the station wagon that said, I'm storing up for treasures in heaven. Just look at my car. It was silliness, but the sentiment is expressed in this passage. 
The rich man is instructed to sell what he has and to give to the poor. Then you will have treasure in heaven, Jesus says. Then you can come follow me. But the man can't let go. When I read this passage, I can't help but wonder if Jesus' instructions were about the man's specific holdings or if Jesus knew that those holdings were actually holding on to the man, that the man's possessions were possessing him. I think we can hear this in the message translation. This was the last thing he expected to hear. And he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight to a lot of things and not about to let go. I can also hear echoes of this in Jesus' image of a camel and a needle. Jesus says how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He says it would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Jesus is using hyperbole, exaggeration. Obviously, a camel could never get through the eye of a needle. It's just too big. It's way too big. And as I think about that image, I imagine all the things that we hold on to, all the things that make us bigger and weigh us down and hold us back from being able to follow God's leading on our lives. I imagine all the pressures and possessions that we let possess us and keep us from experiencing the joy of living into God's calling on our lives. In this passage, Jesus is presenting an upside-down kingdom. Go, sell your possessions, then you'll be truly rich, Jesus says. Then you will have the open hands and open heart to receive treasure in heaven. I think it's safe to say that we are richer than we realize. I've mentioned our car troubles this week, but some statistics guess that only 18% of the world's population has a car. Only 18%. A couple weeks ago, the water main at our house broke. We had to disconnect our water for a day. And at one point, my children raced into our living room. Dad, Dad, they came in worried. The toilets won't flush. Thankfully, I had filled up bathtubs with water before shutting the water off, so that was an issue that we could take care of. But it got me thinking, how many people have access to that luxury? Can we call it that? How many people have access to a safe way to flush? According to one statistic from UNICEF from a few years ago, around 60% of the world's population either doesn't have indoor plumbing or doesn't have a safe way of managing human waste. 60% of the world's population. And we can go on and on with examples. We are richer than we realize. Lent is a time for giving up, and Lent is also a time for picking up. 
Perhaps this Lenten season may be an opportunity for us to ponder the possessions that are possessing us. Are there things we need to give up in order to pick up treasure in heaven? In order to pick up the joy of following Christ's calling on our lives? Lent is the right time for us to consider Jesus' upside-down kingdom and the paradoxical truth that sometimes letting go is really gaining. Possessions, pressures, desires, resentments, grudges. What are the things that are, we are holding on to that are really holding on to us? What do we need to let go of in order to let God take hold of our lives? Lent is a time for giving up, and Lent is a time for picking up. Let me be clear, I cannot wait till the minivan is back up and operational. I'm more grateful now than before for a power tailgate and sliding doors. But this passage from Mark's gospel is also a healthy reminder that sometimes the, thing that we, the things that we possess can really possess us. And sometimes it's in the act of letting go that we can pick up the things that matter the most. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the season of Lent, for this holy set-aside time to reflect on how you're calling our lives and to consider the things we hold in our hands or in our hearts that we need to turn over to you in order to respond to that calling. God, give us the courage and the faith to follow you even when we are surprised by what you ask of us. And even when we are asked to give something up, God, give us joy and richness in the gift of joining you in your work of grace, mercy, and love in this world. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, saying together the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.